Podcasting with Kerry Jones. Hi guys, and welcome to this week's podcast. This week's guest, I had the privilege to travel down to meet him at his home in Surrey to record our chat. He is a passionate and proud Scotsman and has been a professional actor spanning 60 years and as well as an extensive television career. He has appeared in over 130 Hollywood movies and also been awarded an MBE. He has a love of fishing, especially for trout. So whenever he has a chance, he prefers nothing better than to cast a fly on a river. He also chats about his new venture, Storyman, his own blend of whiskey. Welcome to my chat with James Cosmo. Well, it's lovely to meet up again, James. Great uh, to see you, Kerry. Thanks for inviting me to your lovely home. How long have we been here? We've been, Annie and I and the kids have been here for about 18 years now. Um, it's a, it's a, it's only about 20 years old because we bought it when it was two years old. Um, but it's all green oak um, and as you see it's upside down, the living room is upstairs. To take advantage of the, the pitch roof and the, instead of slate we've got a glass panels up there which let in loads of light which is good. But I just love when we saw it. We used to live in Twickenham. Um, but when we saw this, we just fell in love with it. And I just love that. I don't think I've ever seen a nail in this house. It's all pegs. And, you know, when, when the weather changes drastically, you can sometimes hear it creak and things. Oh, nice. and, and it's the it's the wood, you know, as a green oak. And it splits along the stress lines. It's meant to, you know. And it just gets tighter and tighter. And harder and harder. Now you can't bang a nail into it. You know, it's no. just ridiculous. No. But I remember I was doing a Midsummer Murders at this um, old, old country house. And I looked and I saw the same joint um, being used in that. Um, and that house was about 800 years old, you know. Was so it? you think, these houses will just last forever. I do. Look at the pegs coming out of it. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. I bet you couldn't believe when this came up on the market. Well, it was Annie, my wife, that saw it. And I was perfectly happy where we stayed, you know. But she said, you've got to come and see this house. And, and we walked in and had a, a walk round. And uh, I said to the lady, <laughs> well, um, shake my hand on this. <laughs> yeah. and, and that was it, you know. Um, you but just, it worked out very well. You just didn't expect it. Come round that corner. I know. And you got this, these modern houses. And right at the end, it almost looks like a, a castle from, <laughs> from the end of yes. the street there, doesn't it? It was nice at Christmas when it was all lit up, you I know. Bet. It was you great. can't beat oak and traditional buildings. No, I love it. Kind of... I love it, yeah. And it has a lovely warm feeling to it, you know. It's not like a modern house that's sort of, yeah. you know, pristine and things. It's got cobwebs and characters and, you know... I'm, I just love that. Lots of spiders sometimes Th in the this summer. This suits you. This definitely is your character. You know, sometimes you can look at a house and expect somebody like that to live in it. 
Right. Definitely. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe we were made for each other. <laughs> and I love the fireplace too. Yeah. There's nothing like a wooden a wooden house no. and a, a wood fired stove. It's lovely. And do you know what you mentioned? You used to live in Twickenham. It's a sore point at the moment for me. Of right? course, yes. After Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and to, to lose at the end, as we did. Yeah. And to be honest, and it's because of that, and the loss against Scotland, which was incredible, that game. Talking about a game of two halves. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why my voice is still a bit sore after two days. Unbelievable. Consecutive yeah. weekends. Do you yeah. follow rugby? Yeah. Uh, the big games, yeah, yeah, but I don't, I don't, you know, there's Harlequins down the road at Twickenham, but no, not really, you know. Do you go back to Scotland much? I go back, it's usually for work, Kerry, you know, although I sort of play all sorts of nationalities and people and things, uh, quite often stuff comes up and uh, the filming is in Scotland, you know, I spent, I did a series called uh, Six Four that's coming out on BBC very soon. Um, and I was so I was up in Scotland for about oh, six months, off and oh, on right. shooting that. You know, um, was it initially your work was brought to down south then? Yeah, yeah. Um, when you're a young actor, you well, you have to make that decision if you're going to stay at home and make a career there, or go to the big smoke and try and make a bigger career, because yeah. this is where. A lot of the work is made, you know, um, and Los Angeles, you know, and I've spent a long time over there as well. Um, so you, you, as a young actor, I just felt you had to be in the mix down here, you know. I remember the first time we chatted many years ago, now, you mentioned about Los Angeles. Yeah. And isn't there a season where you go to get... Yeah, um, yeah, um, pilot season. Um it's sort of faded now. Things have sort of moved on from there. But there was like two months at the end of January through to uh, middle of March, maybe, where they, they made all these pilot shows, you know. And maybe one out of ten would be made into a series. But all the actors flooded to L.A. Um, for that pilot season, you know, to try and pick up a series. Um, but now with Netflix and Amazon and all the other platforms, it's... It's changed a lot now. Do you still go back to Los Angeles then? No, no. Uh, no need, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm planning a trip out to um, Washington State um, to fish for steelhead um, to visit my old friend, uh, Bo Bochin, who's 84 now. And st he he's a sort of... Um, Goes, he's got a jet boat, you know, one of these flat things, and he, he goes out and he trawls for um, five different kinds of salmon on the river, you know, and he catches these enormous things. But he uses, he just trails plugs and all yeah. that sort of stuff, but they get enormous catches of fish. And he lives on them, you know, he, he smokes the fish, he cans it. He and his wife Peg, they, that's about all they eat, you know, and he used to have a ticket for elk, every year and he'd maybe try to get an elk and that helped him as well but it was a great way to live you know yeah i can imagine so yeah. i'm going out there but i wouldn't go back to los angeles no i didn't like los angeles so yeah, yeah i'll be going out to to visit my friends out there. Saying, um, that's all they would eat almost is fish i remember there was a, a guy who used to fish a local lake near me and he had a black lab mm -hmm. that's all he fed it on 
was trout. Really? You should have seen his coat. I know. Shine that you wouldn't believe. I had the same thing. There was a friend of mine, Mickey Morris, who was a stalker. He was from... um, uh, Where did they make the shoes? Northampton. And he'd been... he was a plumber or something, but anyway, he became a, a stalker up in the Highlands, near near um, the coast, up in the northwest. And he used to go down and get the mackerel that came off the boat, and he had these Chesapeake Bay Retrievers, and the same thing. Yeah. But if you showed them a fish, they'd just start to drool, and he, he just used to, yeah. didn't gut the fish or anything, he just used to drop the mackerel straight down their throat. Really? And again, their coat yeah. was absolutely magnificent, yeah. you know? Amazing. Well, you've been a successful and very busy actor over your career. And from what I can see, you've done, is it in excess of 130 yes, Hollywood movies? Yes, I said that a movies. couple of days ago, yeah. Yeah, spanning 60 years. Yeah, I'm afraid so. How did it all start for you, the acting career? Then? Well, my father was in the business. He was an actor. And um, not that he could help me very much, but... Um, because he was looking for work at the same, you know, as well. But um, the advantage it did give me was that I knew, I went into it with my eyes open. I knew it wasn't going to be glamorous or whatever, because I'd seen my father, you know, with his head in his hands, worrying about the tax man, or when, no, I didn't get that job, and all, you know, so I I knew that it wasn't going to be an easy road. Didn't expect it to be. Yeah. Um, But it's what I wanted to do, and so I just went for it, yeah. It's a feast of famine, I guess, isn't it? It can be. I mean, there's, you know, as the, the old thing, you know, 90% of actors are out of work at any given time. He was know? called James as well, wasn't he? Copeland. He was, it? that's right, yeah. So did you train then? How, can you, you, can you not tell? No, I didn't train. <laughs> really? No, 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 no. Wow. I, I, you know, I think... I'm in two minds about it. I, th- I think if if people go to drama college, you know, if they're... If they're keen on on the classics, you know, um, there are teachers there that you can take you through it and give you so much information and advice and uh, break down plays and all that sort of thing. But also, you have to have an innate talent. Yeah. You know, if you don't have that, you could study for twenty years and you'd still be no good at it. You know, I'm not saying that I'm good at it, but. I've been getting away with it for a while, you know. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't, I didn't want to go to college. I just thought, no, I'm going to crack on and do it. So, what was your first job? It first was um, job, Doctor Finley's Casebook. Really? Yeah, I, the, the original one with Bill Simpson and uh, Andrew Cruikshank. Um, yeah. So I'd, I'd, I'd met. She was a a lady called uh, Prudence Fitzgerald, and. Uh, she was directing Dr. Finlay and we met in a pub and uh, she said, I've got a part that you could play, you know, and I went, let's go. And that oh. was it, you know. And then not long after that, I got a part in uh, the Battle of Britain, which was, you know, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So you originally from Dumbarton, am I right? I was that? born in Dumbarton, but I was raised in Clydebank. Like I know both very well. Do you? As a child, we used to go to, on holidays to Scotland. We used to stay in Alexandria. Good God. Just outside the bar. Yeah. And, uh, and we used to stay, we had an aunt on the Isle of Mal. But anyway, uh-huh. on Alexandria, which is right next to Dumbarton, isn't it? And the funny thing is, I went 
last, oh, was about four years ago, just before lockdown, up there, because like the first time we met was on set in Caffili Castle, yeah. while I was doing some essay work at the time. Mm -hmm. Now, I've done a few bits since then, and I, I got bigger parts, but back just before lockdown, I joined an agency called Beautiful Bearded Bastards. <laughs> have you heard of it? You probably haven't heard no, of it. No, they, they I should be in with them. <laughs> <laughs> they're from Scotland. And uh, it's one of those things I just saw. Yeah. Minutes later, he's saying, we got a job for you. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a, a headmaster for a BBC production in Dumbarton. Away? Oh, would that be um, River City? What, the pro pro Yeah, the production. Because I, no. I think they shoot that in Dumbarton. I can't remember the name no. of the production. I should have looked. I didn't even watch it after, actually. But I went up. They flew me out to Edinburgh. Quite, quite grand, mm -hmm. you know. They flew me to Edinburgh. A taxi from Edinburgh to Dumbarton and a hotel and whatever. But to be honest, that's the last time for me. Yeah? It wasn't for me. I like doing small bits. But this, five days before, they emailed across the... Uh, the script and my lines. Yeah. And five days, five days of hell. For me, <laughs> I got to read something a hundred times before it sinks in. Yeah. And it's, when, I went, when I went, it was great. Everything went smooth. Yeah. But as it happened, they wanted it. We've, that program was filmed in Welsh and English. Oh, really? Strange, going up to Scotland. Yeah. But they yeah. put a bid in for BBC, whatever. Right. So it wasn't for me anyway. I, I, I think there must be a natural talent to remember lines. Do you find that? Touchwood, touch I've found it usually not, not too bad. My father was astonishing. He could quote just about everything Robert Burns ever wrote. And he could read a book and remember just about every single bit of it. It was amazing. So I, I get a wee bit of that, but not, not, a, not a hundredth of what he could. Yeah. Yeah. You've, uh, it's nice to be recognised as well, because you've got an MBE as well, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, it's for services to fly fishing. No, it wasn't. It's for services to actually... <laughs> That's to come, probably. <laughs> After this point. No, I don't think so. Um, um, yeah, it just came out of the blue. I've no, I don't know how these things work, you know. Um, but my agent phoned, sent me a letter. She was so excited. And I, was, what the hell's in there? I looked and, you know, you've from the cabinet office and all that, you know, but it's, it was very nice, you know, like, I guess it's like, um, just being recognised for not knocking over the furniture for 60 years. There's, there was many films I know I've watched you and seen you in, and if I named all the others which I've looked into, it would take an hour just to go through them, but there's a couple of ones which, the very first thing that stands in my mind, which I relate you to, is Braveheart. Uh-huh. That was some experience for you to do that film, was it? Oh, it certainly was, yeah. It was amazing, amazing. And it was the last film that that um, didn't have CGI. It had a tiny wee bit. Campbell you were, wasn't it? Was it Campbell? That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, so we really did have 3,500 extras. Um, really? Yeah, like 200 horses. It was big. You felt it was huge, you know. And you knew it was going to be. Well, it was a big, big epic, you know, and yeah, but we we never realised how successful it would be. I think it was six Oscars or something. I think I'm still waiting on mine, but it's probably in the post. <laughs> um, but um, 
Yeah, it was a tremendous experience to be in, a, in such a huge film. And then you were in Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was... I loved the character in Game of Thrones, you know, Lord Commander Mormont, because he was, you know, in amongst all... I've n never watched Game of Thrones, but I believe there's, you know, all the violence and sex and intrigue and all that. Lord Mormont's the only one that keeps his clothes on and behaves <laughs> properly, you know? Mm. And he's taken a vow of celibacy. Yeah. And so... But I, I loved Mormont as a as a character. He seemed a very dedicated and honourable man. He was saying about um, being an honourable man. You were actually a minister as well in whiskey galore. Oh yes, yeah. What was yeah. that like? Because that was to do with obviously whiskey, which is something yeah. which we're going to come to later. Yeah, um, yeah I I um, two minds about that film because the original whiskey galore um, was filmed oh, many, many years before that. And it, I always remember these wonderful faces of these old islanders, you know, the, the essays that they used, who were actually islanders, you yeah. know, wonderful weather-beaten faces and things. And, and I felt the, the modern whiskey galore didn't have that, you oh, know, and right. it didn't have the, the, didn't have the warmth that the, the original right. had. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing, there's, there's two others I got you in on my list now. There was one I didn't realise you were going to be in it when I was watching it this one Christmas time. Uh -huh. That was Narnia. You were oh, Father yeah. Christmas. Yeah. And strangely enough, I, they flew me to New Zealand for a month, no, three weeks out there. Tell me you took your flight out. No, I didn't have a chance. Uh -huh. But I had been out to New Zealand many years before on a six-part serial called The Mackenzie Affair. And I did take my fly rod. And we we travelled like a... Uh, it was about a real character called James Mackenzie, who's... He was a shepherd. And he, he discovered the Mackenzie Pass through the Southern Alps. and Amazing character. And I was playing Mackenzie. And uh, uh, we travelled like a travelling circus all the way through the South Island, you know, and nice. I, I remember the first time I went fishing, went out there and I, uh, I just brought my rod, and I, I suppose it was like, I put on a, what I usually, like a three pound, four pound breaking strain car, uh, tippet, you know, cast <laughs> this thing went bang, like that and it was gone. Whoa. And I thought, oh, I need something bigger than this. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible that happens, isn't it? Yeah. No, I never been to New Zealand, it's somewhere which uh, is on my bucket list. But the one thing, I go many places on my bucket list, but there's one place I go to religiously. It's almost like my second home, and that's Ireland. Yeah. Now, your latest film, My Sailor, My Love, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That was filmed in Achill, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. What do you think of uh, Achill? I, you know, when I went out there, I went, uh, you know, because I've, I've filmed in Ireland a fair bit, and I love it over there, it's... Wonderful people. I'll tell you a funny story. I get, I was, um, I was going to drive over because you need a car in Achill, you know, like there's no hardly any public transport. So I thought I'm going to take my car. And I was there for six weeks, and so they they'd got me a lovely cottage uh, that overlooked the sea, and it was just got there was a field and then the sea. It was gorgeous, two minutes away from the location. Um, so I've, my wife Annie, she sorted out. It was during. 
COVID and oh, with all these papers and everything else. So I'd, I'd drive up to Hollyhead and Annie's got a folder of, of all the papers and things to get over there. And uh, got on the ferry and I arrived in, in Dublin and uh, the cars are getting stopped and checked and all that. And this, this customs or immigration or customs guy comes out and he looks through the window of my car and goes, Hello, James, how are you? He said, what are you doing over here? And I said, well, I'm, I'm making a film. He said, where's that now? And I said, uh, Achel. And he went, oh, James, man. He said, you love Achel. He said, they're lovely people. And the food, oh, James. Well, James, you have a wonderful time. See you later. Like that. Yeah. Didn't look at any papers or anything. No. That was, was straight through. Oh. But um, I guess you don't need papers. You've got your face. Well, I guess that, that was it. Um, but... It was lovely because the, the little um, cottage I had, um, it did have a TV, but I never switched it on. And it was so quiet. And it had a big picture, you know, big patio doors uh, that you could look out onto the sea. And I just, I would sit there for hours sometimes, just looking at the sea yeah. in the silence. It was glorious. And I've, I felt myself after a couple of days really getting calm, you know, and a sort of, serenity came over me, you know, and the people were astonishingly kind, I mean ridiculous, I mean I was there for a week and there was a knock at the door, the nearest house was about half a mile away, there was a knock at the door and it was a lady with a cake for me she just said, welcome to Achel James, there you are beautiful I think the West generally are like that, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I love it there. Yeah. Mayo, Galway. I went there in 2012 for two weeks and I stayed for two and a half years. <laughs> it's a hard place to leave. Yeah. yeah. Going back and forth all the time. But oh, the warmth of the people. The only thing is, I didn't take a, <clears throat> a spinning rod because I'm sure there was lots of mackerel and bass out there. That's only just come out. Was it last year? Was it came out? Uh, yeah, last year. Yeah. yeah, I haven't actually seen it yet. I've seen the uh, the trailer. That's one thing I'm going to do is when I go back to take a look at that. Well, let me know. Let me know what you think. Yeah, yeah the trailer's fantastic. The filming, it's incredible. Yeah, it was. It was directed by a Finnish director called Klaus Harrow, and oh, he right. brought over his own cinematographer and uh, his crew and yeah. things. So, and they were very. Very meticulous about everything, as you would imagine, sort of Finnish people, you know, very precise, the very Scandinavian. Yeah. The movies these days have come on leaps and bounds, and it? it's that cinematic look to it. It's all to do with colour grading, the mood. Yeah. It's a proper art. And you were saying, I can relate to what you were saying, you were there for a couple of days and you, you felt so calm. Mm. I spend a lot of time on my boat on the Corrib, and when I leave here, I go over, I'll have one day, two days, three days, and it's only after the third day, you've been, metabolism changes. Yeah. yeah. That's all you're thinking of, is fishing to start with. Yeah. You're in the boat. Have you got your own boat on the yeah. boat? Do you yeah. take it over with you? No, it's, it's there. Yeah, yeah, it's on the shore of the corridor. Yeah. And uh, I've had it for many years now. And it's just, it's just, as soon as you get out there, you're leaving the world behind you. Yeah. Yeah. And everything slows down. Yeah. And it's the reverse then. After I've been there for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks or more, I come back. It takes me a few days mm -hmm. 
to get back into it, isn't it? It's a bit of a shock, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the pace of life and the yeah. attitude of people. Yeah. We'll move on into the fishing now shortly. Um, what is your favourite part or role you've played? I think in general it might actually be my sale of my love because it was, you know, it wasn't a, a big budget film. You know, it was a, re a reasonable budget, but not certainly not big. Um, but um, my fellow actors and the crew, you know, they were a mixture of Finnish and Irish, and it was a wonderful mix. You know, Breed Brennan that played opposite me and Catherine Walker that played my daughter. You know, we got on ever so well together, and uh, it was it was seamless and. It was just so nice to to work with them. It wasn't it wasn't stressful. It was considered, and Klaus was very calm and quiet. And uh, it was it was it was a joyful joyful thing to do. Yeah. When you get these parts, do you actually pitch them, a play for them, or do they think? Do they, are you contacted? We'd like you to. Nowadays, they usually go through my agent and say. Does James want to do this? You know? All right. That's uh, nice to be asked, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What's your next job? Uh, I'm doing a film called Salvable, um, which is a film about the world of boxing and professional boxing, um, which is going to be filmed in South Wales at an old gym that the producers have found. Um, and then I'm doing... Uh, some stuff for Netflix, a political thriller, and Amazon, I'm doing a sort of psychological show. Um, yeah, so I've got sort of the spring and summer are sort of tied up now. Well, if you're in Wales and you've got a spare day while you're filming. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we'll have a day somewhere. Yeah. So going on to the fishing then. Yeah. How did it all start for you? When did you first pick up a rod then? Well, funny, you, you saying that you were up in Alexandria, Kerry, because um, my dad, before he was an actor, he'd, he'd lots of jobs. Um, he was a policeman for a while in Dumbarton, and then he was a... Uh, uh, he started off... It's a very, very sad story, because he was a very, very bright man, um, but his mother, who was an old bitch, um, made him go and work in a shoe factory when he was... 14, which sort of hurt him quite a lot. But um, anyway, he worked there and became a policeman. Then he became a water bailiff on the Loch Lomond system. All right. You know, the Endrick, the Leaven, all that. And uh, yeah, he, was, he did that for two or three years and he would walk into Glasgow to go to the, the Royal College of Drama evening class. He would walk from Dumbarton to Glasgow. Walk? Walk, and then do a class in there, and then walk home again. How, how far is that? Oh, it's about 15 miles. Wow. Yeah. 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 He'd be proud of you then. Yeah. And then, um, so I, I've got a vague memory of, because when my father was a bailiff, they used to have... A, they used to net Loch Lomond for the pike because they predated a lot on the salmon, you know, um, or the par anyway. Uh, and my father said they'd have these, um, uh, you know, the floats out 
and it's you know if there was one down you knew oh there's something there you know yeah and he said sometimes three or four of them would be down and they think oh god that's a body you know and often it was you know um but i remember because the the pike they just get rid of them you know and i remember my father had brought home a pike to for us to eat and um as you know pike are very sort of um they cling on quite a lot and this thing wasn't he dead oh. and my mother was sort of having a fight with it in the sink it, I, I think it, <laughs> it traumatised me. That's why I remember it. But um, yeah, so wow, I was sort of oh, you know, my father when I was a wee boy talking about the river, and um, he actually got a, he was actually offered the job um, because there was a very famous poacher in Dumbarton called Shade McKinnon, um, uh, who was sort of notorious or famous in the town. He was an amazing salmon poacher. And he could shoot a net in the middle of the night and nobody ever caught him. But Shade McKinnon was known to the, the bailiffs and there was a head bailiff, Whamond his name was. And um, Shade said, you should try that young lad Copeland. He's, he's a good boy, he knows the river. So the, the, the poacher got my dad the job as a bailiff. Oh. Uh, so my dad used to tell me all the stories about about Loch Lomond and believing. And then when I was about... 13, I suppose, uh, I met a pal of my, well, became friends with a young guy called Eddie Dunk. And we used to fish the Leaven, which runs through Dumbarton. Yeah. Um, just at the, it was called the Slaughterhouse Pool where we were, it was this old defunct slaughterhouse. But we used to um, fish um, maggots on a bubble float, you know, on a fly line, on a fly rod, right. on a spinning reel and just float it down and, and bang away at the wee finnock, you know, yeah. which were, you know, it was amazing fishing in those days. And that's where I sort of fell in love with it completely. It was, well, I was utterly besotted by it. And then Eddie and I moved on to fly fishing up by Crean Larich and, and fish all through there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was wonderful fishing for, you know, not, not big fish, you know, three-quarter pound brownies, but it was... It was terrific yeah. fun. You see in the River Leaven, I did. I used to fish it often then. Did you? Yeah. 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 When I was teenagerly 12 and 15, we used to go up every year to visit family. And uh, it was walking distance from where my aunt was living. Yeah. And I never had much success. I didn't really know what I was doing on a river then. But there were guys there catching 15-pound salmon yeah. practically every time I was there. Yeah. I don't know what it's like now. I thought he was incredible. Wouldn't think it'd be anything like that now, Kenny. And then I would walk then to a place called Balloch. Yeah. And there was this, an area, I, I think it was linked to the loch, Loch Lomond. It was called the Sand Pits. And uh, they were pike in there. And we, uh -huh. had, we had a few. Yeah. And uh, never been in love with a pike. But in the early days. What, to eat or to catch? Both, really. Both, right. No, they don't do it for me. No. But uh, it, it's very popular now. People fly fish with them, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I remember I caught a, oh God, it was like a, I can't remember, I was with this German guy. I used to have a pint with this German guy. He worked at the uh, the Kelvin Grove Museum in Glasgow. Uh, Dietrich Burkel, his name was. Very high up in the paleontology department. But he was a mad fly, uh, mad fisherman. And we went out and onto Loch Lomond, just uh, fishing from the shore. 
and he, I didn't know anything about pike fishing, and he, I think it was like a herring or something that he wrapped in his hooks, launched it out there, and I was reeling it in, I thought, oh, I'm snagged up in weed or whatever, you know, it was this huge bloody pike, oh, but it? it was like pulling in a bag of coal, yeah. you know, yeah. it was very unexciting. So you fly fished, that's where you fly fishing started then? Yeah, on the leaving, yeah. 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 And then up at the river Fillin, all round that those all those little tributaries up there. Yeah. So when did you leave then? I started work uh, started as an actor when I was seventeen. Oh really? Uh, yeah, so I was back and forth up and down from London to Scotland back up to see my folks and all that sort of thing. I guess with all your work you do a lot of travelling. Do you actually get much time? We spoke briefly about this earlier, to fish because I guess if you're somewhere like for five, six weeks, you don't really have days off, do you? Not really, you know, and, and if you, because, you know, very often it's a six day week and the yeah. hours are so long, you know, yeah. especially as an actor, because you've got to be up there first and for makeup and costume and all that. So you're, you're getting up, you know, maybe six, round about then, and then you're working all day till seven o'clock at night. You're knackered at the end of the day. Not physically, usually, but sort of mentally, you're a bit, oh. Um, and then you get one day off, you know, so all you want to do really is just lie in bed, you know. So it's, it's, it's unusual if you do get some time off, you know. If you're enjoying this podcast, consider becoming a Patreon. You get weekly podcasts from the biggest names in the sport, access to over 165 episodes, behind-the-scenes photography, and other exclusive content. From just £5 a month, Tune in, visit patreon.com forward slash casting with Kerry Jones or see the link on my website, castingwithkerryjones.com. Have you come across any other actors in the industry of fish? There's one Scottish actor called Michael Nardoni who's a very keen fly fisherman. Paul Young. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. He, uh, obviously, he started as an actor and then sort of became a fishing television programme guy. He's an awfully nice chap. Um, yeah, there's there's a few actors, <clears throat> and of course, famously, Michael Horden was a great fly fisherman, you know. Was he? Yeah, huge fly fisherman. Do you know what? Yeah, I'll mention this now. The first time we actually met, because it was quite ironic, actually. I was working on... And Michael Nardoni was in that show. What he show? He played the, the show that we met on, Merlin, yeah. Oh, did he? He played my second in command, would you believe that? Isn't that funny? Wow. <clears throat> yeah. But I remember that day, we were in the castle, Caffili Castle. Yeah. And uh, I was just at the background, chain mail. Uh. Uh, I, I love the gear they put you yeah. in, you know. And then you had a, one of the main parts then, you had like, some sort of warlords on you, yeah. these big skins. Yeah. And then you have your own caravans. And there's us to one side of the car park, and then there's the actors there. <laughs> yeah. And I had to pass yours. And I didn't realise it was yours until I seen you step outside and sit down on the step of the caravan, your own caravan, uh, with a, wearing all this these skins, looks like a, a really mean looking warlord, with a, like a paper bowl of cornflakes, right? <laughs> and I can't remember what I said, I just happened to look down and said something, and you looked up and you said, I'd rather be fishing. <laughs> And I was it then, and that's how we came yeah, about. There you go. And often then, since then, I've thought, if I ever have a caravan, I'd have to, because it's a long time waiting, isn't it? Sometimes? Oh, yeah, yeah. I would have thought the time flies. Yeah. 
I, well, I, I have. Yeah. I have indeed. And it was funny because, oh God, it was just sitting over there. I, I, when I was doing Jack Ryan, it was right in the middle of uh, lockdown. And I knew I was going to be in Budapest for about six months and probably no break, really. Um, so I thought, oh, God, I'm going to be stuck in a hotel. I'll, I'll get myself all... Because I've, I've always admired fly tying and things. Um, I said, I'm going to just set up my YouTube. I've got all the stuff. Um, I'm going to tie flies. And, of course, I, I never did. Because you're constantly thinking about what you're doing the next day, work, yeah. you know. And it, it's a shame. But I, I did... My friend Stuart Tanner, who's a fly fishing guide... He's a wonderful fly tire, and uh, he comes up every now and then, and we sit together. All oh, right. He's the most remarkable man, Kerry. He's um, Stuart's about uh, fifty, maybe fifty odd, um, but he was in a wheelchair till he was thirteen. He had uh, childhood—I um, don't know if it was arthritis or—but all his joints were buggered, you know, like knees replaced, and just as a as a kid. But his mum tied flies, and she taught him to tie flies. And then, when he, even when he was in a wheelchair, when he was like 13, he was giving casting lessons to adults on how to cast a fly. He's, he's a superb fly fisherman, and he ties fly. And he's got... Uh, the fingers on his hands stop at the first knuckle. They're that long on both hands. And that's sort of like this. And just using these wee stumps, really? he can tie a fly. He puts it in his mouth. Two minutes you go, yeah. dear heavens, that's amazing. You know, it's wonderful. It's wonderful how people have uh, talents and abilities that, that just aren't recognised. You know, yeah. I've got a, a degree of talent or ability to be an actor, you know, and... and you know, you get people saying, oh, that's fabulous, and you were wonderful, oh, that nonsense, you know. But there's so many people around that have got amazing talents yeah. that nobody knows about. There's some incredible fly tyres out there now. Yeah. And there's, there's two types of fly tyres. You tie for show or tie for throw. Yeah, yeah. Basically, and yeah. I, I'm sort of the tie to throw, but as long as they catch fish, I'm happy with, you know. I think there's some really... Amazing, talented fly tires out there. You know, I, I was saying earlier, um, before we started the podcast, I'm hoping to go to uh, Washington State this year right. to fish for steelhead on the Deschutes River system. And um, when, my friend Bo Bochin that I stay with, old Bo, but he invited this guy um, that used to own the Tootle River Fly Shop. And... It was a lovely. The Tootle River was a lovely wee river, but then Mount Rainier um, uh, had the volcano, and if you remember, way way back, yeah, yeah, and it just washed out the whole of the Tootle River, just gone. This mud and ash and everything, just incredible. Um, but this guy had owned the Tootle River fly shop, and I've still got a skip cap that he gave me with Tootle River on it, but he. Bo invited this guy, I can't remember his name, but he invited him to dinner. So we were just, as fishermen, we could just sit and talk about stuff, you know. And this guy very kindly bought me, brought me uh, a little box, a little plastic box with 
flies in the front and then you turn it over and there's more flies. Beautiful flies, absolutely gorgeous. And he said, I want to give you this as a present. And so I said, that's wonderful. And he said, but there's a story behind this. And he said, um, the guy that tied these, he said, um, when he was about, I don't know, late teens or early 20s or whatever, a country boy, he got into a fight or whatever in a bar and he shot this guy, killed him. Killed him stone dead. And he got a life sentence. Boom. In the jail. Now, he took up fly tying. And over the years, he got better and better and better. And this guy said, I used to buy all the flies from him because people were saying, these are fantastic, they're really good. And this poor man had nothing else to do but, but tie flies and, and invent patterns and everything else. And anyway, he came up, he was in his 40s or whatever, came up for parole. And uh, the guy that owned the fishing shop said to him, he said, you know, he said, um, you know you'll never tie another fly when you leave the prison if you get parole. And the guy said, you know what? He said, I've been tying flies for over 20 years. He said, it's all I can do. I've just got to tie flies. I said, wow, what happened? And he said, he got parole. He discovered women and drink. And he never <laughs> tied another fly again. No. So these are really rare. <laughs> you got those? I still have, wow. yes. That's yes. a good story. <laughs> Oh, I never used any of them, no. It's nice. I like that myself, actually. I get flies given over the years. And uh, I either put them in a frame uh-huh. or just keep them, but I never use them. There's, uh, I was given this, a selection of flies from... There's a guy called John Graham. Mm-hmm. I did a podcast, two podcasts with him back last year. You have to listen to these. Uh-huh. He's, a, he's the sea trout legend. There's no one better. Sadly, he died then uh-huh. last year. But listen to him talking, ah, it's it's just gold, you know, because yeah. all the knowledge he had for sea trout. Yeah. But he gave me a selection of flies, about 25 flies, uh-huh. all his flies. He said, you've got to use this, and yeah. I won't use them. No. They're, no. F- they're going to, they, they were the framer now. I'm yeah, them in yeah, the of course, now. yeah. Something like that is really nice, you know. Yeah. But going out to sea trout, um, when we actually fished last was on the, the Tawi, uh-huh. quite a few years ago now. Have we done any sea trout fishing since? You know, I don't think I have. I think it must have been such a traumatic experience <laughs> trying to catch sea trout in the dark, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. It's challenging. Jamie was with us, wasn't he? Jamie Harris. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it, um, yeah. And there was a, there's a lodge there. I don't know if he went into the lodge that time. There's a lodge there. It's the Abercothy Estate. And uh, there's a, a photograph of you up in the lodge. Is with, it? With Jamie, yeah. Ah. And he's got one at home. I met him the other day. And he often asks. Oh, how nice. We'll give him my best. Yeah. And yeah. we will. Anytime you want to come over, just, he said, just give us a shout. I'll put you well, on the fish. I'm, I'm sort of swithering just now. I'm, you know, like, like every fisherman, I am a sucker for equipment. Yeah, you know, like, it, I think it's going to make me a better fly fisherman. You know that thing. Yeah. And I remember being in America, and I, I bought a Sage ZX or whatever, yeah. nine and a half foot fly rod, cost me an absolute fortune. And then I bought a Winston, um, nice gear, fifteen foot rod, 
And I used to, when I lived in Los Angeles, there was, I, I, I don't like Los Angeles. It's a horrible place. I just don't like it. It's full of phonies and, you know, time wasters. But in, I used to live in between Los Angeles and just down the road, Long Beach. Used to live in this place called Torrance. It was full of Spanish people, which are quite like uh, Mexican people, which are quite like because they're nice folk, you know, sort of blue collar, yeah. ordinary working people, you know. So I felt more at home there. But I used to go down, and there was a I forget how I found out about it, but um, it was the Long Beach Casting Club, and it was in a municipal park, and they had this great big pond. It was. Um, what would it be? It would be the size of about 10 tennis courts. You know, it was big, but it was only a foot deep. Yeah. And it had been built in like 1929 or something, the clubhouse. And it was like going into an old Hollywood movie. Wow. It was all wood and leather armchairs and frames of flies made by members and things. And I remember um, I used to go down there like three times a week. And you just go and you just practice casting, you know, spay casting, obviously, you know. Um, but it was it was just terrific fun, you know, because you could really get your eye in and get the rods working. Nice. And uh, I that that sort of saved my life. And there was an old guy there that he said, uh, I can't remember his name, but he said, "Oh, James," he said, I've, "I've I've got a rod coming from Scotland. It's called a Karen." Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't heard of it, you know. And it was the Caron Rod Company. They're still around, but they don't make the rods anymore. Um, but I've been in contact with the lady whose late husband owned the... They owned the beat on the can, and they, they also produced very fine fly lines that are still terrific, and some very good rods. I think I've heard the name. Yeah. Well, I, this old guy, he bought... I think the first one was 12 foot, and then he sent away got a 14 foot one, then a 16 foot, then an 18 foot one. But they were like rods. They were carbon fiber, obviously. But they had the same action as I would think a green heart was. You All know? Right, yeah. Because, and you had to, you know, because the, the Americans are modern rods. They're, they're so stiff and, you know, like old tippy. Yeah. And just ping out they go with a really narrow loop and all that Fast stuff. Action, but these Karen rods, you had to like, you know, start bringing it in, stop, have a fag, say hello to people, <laughs> and then start your forker. But you could feel the, like the... There's Peter, a soul to it, isn't it? Yeah, Peter Anderson, the great fly fisherman, said that you should, you should feel the action of the rod in your hands. It was, went right down. He said it should almost be opposite. Like, all the weight is up there, you know? And yeah. it, when you got it right, I mean, it was purely a timing thing, but when you got it right and you f cast, your forward cast like that, you could feel the rod go, whoa, 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 whoa. And yeah. the line just flew. But you'd, I think you would have to... Did just, you have one of those rods? No, I didn't, no. Oh, In yeah. fact, I contacted the lady uh, the, whose late husband owned it, and she said that sadly they're out of business now and um, gave me a lovely invitation if I was ever up there. The family still had some rods that I could borrow to go fishing. Yeah. Um, but she said that Bruce and Walker 
and they employed Bruce. They gave the contract to Bruce and Walker to manufacture the Karen rods. So I suppose you could get the blanks from somewhere, you know. Yeah. But nowadays, with with different lines, Scandi lines, and all that sort of stuff, you know, you're, it's very you're, technical now, isn't it? It is. It is. And yeah. I've been thinking. What brought me on to that subject was. Um, I've been thinking very much, like when you mentioned sea trout, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, maybe an 11 foot switch rod, you know, with a Scandi line on it. Um, I think most of the people I know, uh, for the sea trout, it's uh, just your standard 10 foot. Yeah. Maybe a limb, but it all depends what river you're in as well. Yeah, the, yeah. the size of the river. Yeah. Like the rivers around us, they're not big rivers for yeah. New South Wales. Yeah. Bigger rivers, yeah. Like a lot of the ones in Scotland, the Scandi yeah. line probably yeah. on a larger rod. But um, but you know, like a, a 11 foot maybe, you know, even in a, a, a normal size river, I mean, like you can get it right down there, you know, you're not splashing about in front yeah. of the fish, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. You were saying about um, the rods which aren't made anymore, there was a, there's a firm Sharps. Oh, yeah. Aberdeen, yeah. I had a sharp Scotty once. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a lot of cane rods at one time. Really? Yeah. The nice cane rods. I did have a couple and I kept them on display, I did. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I had offers I couldn't refuse one day, so I thought, okay. Yeah. I wish I never yeah. did, actually, because they yeah. do look the part. Oh, the Sharp Scotty was a great wee fly rod. But there's a rod, if I see one now, I would have it secondhand. They stopped making it and the Sharps brought out, probably about 12, 15 years ago now, it was called the Sharps Gordon uh-huh. and uh, trout rod, trout rod, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. They did a range. I think it was nine foot, ten foot, that sort of size. And then they brought them out, and I don't think they realised how good it was. Everything was sold within almost as soon as they came out. Really? Because it was mid-priced. I think they were like about what? 170, 200 pounds. What were they? Like carbon fibre. Carbon ones, yeah. 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 And uh, they were so good, and they tried, and then everything went. And we contacted them, asked, have we got any more? Uh-huh. And they said, no, they've uh, all sold out. But they've got a Mark II coming out. Uh-huh. Not not the rod, not the same rod. Isn't it funny? But that, that was a three, four hundred pound rod. Yeah. And they marked it, marketed it wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was well underpriced, but you can't get one now. It's a lovely rod. Really? Yeah. yeah. So would you say you're a, a salmon angler more than a trout? Oh, no, no. Oh, no? No, no. I like I like to have the option to eat what I catch, and in the UK now, you know, rightly so, all salmon go back. Yeah. You know, um, and also the the price of of salmon fishing for what you get is you know that ratio has it's completely out of kilter now because yeah. you're still paying an awful lot of money to get a chance at a very few fish. Which is a tragedy that the salmon rivers of Scotland are not fishing the way they used to, you know, 50 years ago or whatever. And I think what people don't, or the general public don't particularly pay any attention to is the amount of money that a fly angler brings into a community if he's going fishing for salmon. Mm -hmm. You know, he stays in a hotel, he drinks in a bar, he eats in the restaurants, all that stuff, all Mm -hmm. that money coming up there. You know, um, and I, I don't know how you get around that because 
for the same amount of money that I would fish as I have done the Tay or whatever, I can fly to Washington State and catch big steelhead in beautiful conditions, you know? Yeah. So it's it's a no-brainer, really. But I don't know how you address that problem of of the lack of salmon. Getting rid of all the salmon farms would be a start. Before we started the podcast, you were saying you had a passion for cooking. So you cook your trout as well then, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I smoke them. I've got a wee... It's not an Abu smoker, but it's one of these, you know, it's just a yeah, bit yeah. of... Um, uh, yeah. You know, uh, the... Not petrol, but uh, methylated spirits. Yeah, you know, right, the, wood, yeah. uh, the, the wood chipping, the wood dust. Yeah. And and just quickly smoke them. Yeah. And you smoke pigs as well, yeah? Bacon I do. You did. I do. Yeah. Uh, and it was very, very good as well. Nice. People lovely. listening to the podcast should try it. It's, <laughs> you sell it? No. no I, I, maybe I should. You should have package done. it and sell it. But yeah. everybody, everybody that tried it, you know, you know that way when you cook bacon you buy from the supermarket and all that white stuff comes oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. You think, well, that, you know, it's, things pump full of water. With my bacon, nothing. Really? Oh, well, no. Well, I mean, no, no difference because everything I've had is from the supermarket. Oh, it's, it's completely different. Yeah. Completely different. It's great. When you were saying uh, that you smoke the trout, um, and I, I used to smoke trout myself, but something I did as well, because I do it a little bit myself, is fly fishing for bass uh-huh. and then we tried this a few years ago we wanted to catch a bass and cook it there and then yeah it was a feature we did actually for trout fishermen a few years, many years ago now 10 years probably and then i caught this bass nice bass about two two and a half pound uh-huh. so we killed it uh gutted it and we had a disposable barbecue we did yeah and then we we put it on the barbecue and we ate it straight away within you know 20 minutes uh-huh. and do you know what it was one of the most disappointing fish no yeah um, I was told I, I spoke to a few people since chefs and I don't know how much truth is in this plus you've got a different version of it they say anything from the sea is always better the next day really yeah and they said it the flavour is better from the sea. So I've yet to eat uh-huh. bass. I've caught lots of bass since, but I yeah. don't eat them. But maybe this season, though, I'm going to try that. Yeah. Take one. Yeah. Try it the next day. Because this class is almost like a delicacy these days. Bass is expensive to buy, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah. But I suppose there's a bit of logic in that. You know, like, say, like, last night I made a, a bolognese sauce, you know? Because I, I cook a lot, but it's always better the next day. Mm. Soup is always better the next day. So maybe there's a slight, maybe there's a breakdown in the in the the muscle fibre or yeah. whatever, and it starts to slightly change. You know, like yeah. like you hang a hang a pheasant for a while or a grouse or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. there may of well of be something in that. Yeah, of course you shoot as well. You said, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah I shoot pheasant. I went. Um, never shot. But I went, I was asked to photograph a shoot last month. It was a grouse shoot. Oh, wow. And yeah. uh, I ended up photographing. I, I ended up... Was this in Wales? Yeah, yeah, yeah. down in uh, West Wales. Uh-huh. And uh, it, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, it was a whole new ball game for me. And yeah. uh, I love photographing the dogs. Oh, yeah. You know, getting them running towards you with the grouse in their mouth and they're happy, they're yeah. bouncing. Yeah, yeah. You know? 
Oh, it's wonderful to, to, to see the doctor. My, Stuart's got some... My pal Stuart's got about six. Bit, I think he's got two springers and the rest are, are ordinary spaniels. But, my God, they're trained to within an inch of the I don't life. think Duke will be going to no. He's, he's a Staffordshire Bull Terrier and he's, he's good for nothing except frightening <laughs> neighbours. He's been sitting next to me here, though. Know, <laughs> and you haven't, just, you haven't made any noise at all. He's very laid back, yeah. 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 When I spoke to you last week, you said you got a, a woods nearby. You take him out for a walk, is it? Yeah, just out the back there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, some oak woods. Do you? Would you say you prefer rivers to lakes, or yeah, equally as it? So. Is yeah. it? Yeah, I think. Although I do fish, you know, up at Salford Lakes or whatever in the Cotswolds, I think there's something about the the movement of water and the the you know the the fly life on the water. There's a dynamic to it that makes it. You know, like, I know you can go around the lake and look for, you know, spots that you think are going to be productive, but there's just something about trying to read the water, seeing, you know, where the trout are going to be and getting your fly in there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Moving on now to your new venture, you have a new story to tell yourself, haven't you? And that was in the, the form of your own whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Um... Was it launched last year, was it? Yeah, it had, it's taken us, it took us three years to get it to, to market, if you like. And the, the back story, sort of briefly, is that I was in a film called The Outlaw King and the film company had thought that they might bring out their own Outlaw King whiskey uh, that was going to be made by Annandale Distillery in the Borders, um, uh, very near the, the Annan River and the Nith. Yeah, yeah, great grayling river, river great grayling river, and salmon and trout, and I'll be up there this year. That didn't come to fruition, but they'd asked me to go up and meet the people at the distillery to promote the this idea. So I'd met David Thompson, Professor David Thompson, that owns the distillery. Um, it had been out of commission for about seventy years, and David had, he's a very he's got a lot of businesses, and he spent about five six million quid doing up this wow. I, w I would call it a boutique distillery you know it's not huge it's not tiny but it's it's not a huge commercial thing um, but I spoke to my business partner Andy Pancholi and you know because when you finish films or you meet people it's it, I, I said to Andy it'd be nice if we had a, a whiskey that we could give them you know like you know just a thank you anyway Andy phoned Annandale up and they, they after a, lots of discussions he said we think this is going to be much bigger than just a few dozen bottles from James. Um, and that started the process. And I worked with Keith Law, who was a master blender. I saw the video, yeah. And the, the you know, the, the des uh, design company, the market research company, the design of the bottle, the design of the label. God, it went on forever. And then the tasting of the whiskey, finding it, because I wanted it to be my whiskey, you know, something I really liked. Um, so that took it. That sounds like hard work, doesn't it? Tasting whiskey, <laughs> but we we um, uh, eventually sort of got it down to five, five or six whiskies, slightly different to each other, and I had to choose the one. And I'm glad that I chose that one because it's 
it's doing incredibly well. I mean, it's won so many blind tastings against whiskies that cost three times as much. We knock them out of the park, um, and it's it's going to be announced at the end of this month that it's won a big whiskey prize. Um, the so name was fantastic. Well, that was the, the the market research company that came up with that um, story, man. But um, yeah, because it is the sort of whiskey that you would sit down in front of the fire and you know pour a dram and you know like chat. I was um, reading up the history of uh, Arendelle, the distillery yeah. online, and is it right? It's actually on the land of Robert de Bruce. Yes, that's right, because they make a, a whiskey called Man of Sword, which is dedicated to Robert Bruce, and they make another whiskey called Man of Words, which is dedicated to Robert Burns. Wow. Yeah, but Bruce owned land, well, he, you know, he owned land up north of Scotland and down in the borders. You know? I watched the, uh, the video clip of you picking. Uh-huh, which one did you, well, yeah. And you could tell, you were in the middle... And there was these two guys then. Yeah, time. that was and David was, and Keith. Yeah. yeah, Keith was the blender, wasn't he? Yeah. And then David, you could tell he was very nervous. Yes. <laughs> he wanted to make sure he had something which you liked. Yes. And you were you did you did you kept it till the end, didn't you? You, you, said, you didn't say an awful lot throughout it. And then, what was good? I think David asked, "What are you looking for in it?" Mm-hmm. And you said, "Obviously, you're not a master blender, like Keith, but." It's got to say something to you, mm. you know? And I thought, that was good. Oh, and I'm not a whiskey drinker over the years. I've had them. It's never really appealed to me, uh-huh. purely because I loved the idea. I wanted to love whiskey, got uh-huh. the image yeah. of whiskey, you know? But over the years, my sister, she loves whiskey. And uh, she always has the expensive ones, actually. I've <laughs> known my sister... Every so often, try this, try this. And they're okay. Yeah. And then when I got the opportunity, when I spoke to you, I thought, I've got to get a bottle. So I ordered a bottle myself. And there's not a great deal left in it now. But I've got to be honest, it's what it says to me, there's a warm feel to it. It's much softer than any other whiskey I've had. Yeah. There's not that kick. No. Which you get no. in a whiskey. And it's almost like a, a recognisable something, a knowing and it's a comforting feeling, drinking it. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, and it leaves a silky taste in the mouth. It does, doesn't it, Kerry? There's, yeah. no, there's no burning no. afterwards, no. 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 So then... I'm very pleased, that's yeah. great. Yeah, so there'll be a couple of orders going through there. <laughs> I know what to buy my sister for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, I took it down uh, to see her uh, last week. A new partner's uh, Scottish. She's from Galashiels. Oh, yeah. And uh, he hadn't touched the whiskey for 40 years, he said. And he tried some, and he tried some more, and he tried some <laughs> more. So he likes it now as well. Ah, so great. So it's, uh, it's, it's gone down well. You must be really pleased with it. I'm delighted. I'm, abs- I'm very, very happy for, for Keith and the rest of the, the, the team up there. That they, yeah. they did work ever so hard, and it means an awful lot to them and is it, that the brand is successful. Yeah. And the whole history of the place itself adds to selling it, and the name... Everything is like packaged nice yeah. as well, isn't it? And you know, when, when uh, David Thompson took the place over, the, the water source had either degraded or whatever, and they needed, they needed water, you know, like the best quality water. So David called in a hydrology company and they turned up 
in their van with all the equipment and things, you see. And they said, to the, this guy got out and said, well, we can, we can do all the hydrology tests and things and we'll, we'll find the water for you, hopefully. Wow. He said, but, or you could do it a bit quicker. And David said, how's that? He said, old Davy in the, in the van. And he went, what do you mean? He said, he'll, he'll find the water for you. So David said, I carry on, you know. So this old guy comes out. David said it was like two pieces of a wire coat hanger he had. And he gets out and he wanders up and down round the, the grounds of the place. And then he stuck his heel in the ground and he said 60 feet. He said, pure spring water, 60 feet. David said they drilled down 50 feet, nothing. 60 feet, bang. Pure spring water. That's where it comes from. Wow. Isn't that amazing? What a divine end. Yeah. That's and seemingly cool. this guy is employed by BP and all these big companies. He, he just, he can do it. Um, well, we go back to the fishing now. Uh-huh. Have you got any goals for this year? Yeah, I want to, because I, I, I love cooking, um, but I'm not a big fan of eating trout. I do eat it, but not that often. I like it as as you are the the, the same. I, I like it hot smoked, and that that's the only way I like it really. Um, so I'm going to do like when I come down to Wales, I'm gonna I'm gonna purchase a a spinning rod for mackerel and bass. Um, try and catch more and fish. Just cook it on the shore, not leave it overnight or whatever. <laughs> but um, because I remember what I used to go up fishing in Inverary for uh, the rivers round there um, for trout. And then on the way back, me and Eddie um, would stop at Loch Long and, in the summer and just cast out a wee silver thing and catch a couple of mackerel, gut them, wrap them in silver foil and throw them in the, the campfire nice. for 10 minutes or so. Then a wee bit of salt or whatever and we'd, we'd have that. That's what I... It's that whole, yeah. you know, catch, eat the whole yeah. thing, prepare it all, then eat it. Yeah. It's, it's a, it, it, I find it's it. It's a full circle then, isn't it's it? It's a full circle, yeah. 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 That's what I do love about going to Ireland, on the boat, on the Corrib. Have you been to the Corrib? No, I never have, no. Oh, right. And it, it's basically, it's like 33 mile long, eight mile is that That's not in County Mayo, is it? No. Well, actually, it's County Galway. Uh -huh. But part of it is... Because Galway's not very far away from Achill, is it? It's only about an hour no, or something. No, that's right, yeah. 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 It's kind of on the border. Most yeah. of it is in Galway, it is. And, and Loch Mass next to it is in Mayo. But um, what I enjoy about it is the fishing, obviously, is great. And you've got these islands all over the place. Yeah. It's, it's an absolute dream location. And if I hadn't discovered that, I'd be a rich man. Because all my money is going over there, it's travelling whenever I can. I really? It's a second yeah. home, yeah. yeah. Um, Do you have a home there? No, 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 no. I was uh, I was with a girl for two years there. And in fact, in, in Westport, I was with some... Right, yeah. yeah. And then every morning, I'd open the window and you could see Clare Island. Yeah. Which isn't too far away yeah. from there. Yeah. Um, but I find it's going out in the lake and then you'll meet others for lunch on the island. Uh -huh. So we all just motor off, do a bit of fishing, and then we meet at lunchtime, maybe 12, 1 o'clock, on the island, make a fire, uh -huh. 
get the pounds out. Uh, usually it's steak or some chicken. Yeah. But uh, no one again will kill a trout. Yeah. I don't kill hardly anything these days. But at least once a year, yeah. it's something nice to do to have like two trouts on the pan, put a yeah. pound and a half, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I know what you mean, in the outdoors, cooking it, and everything tastes better. It does, doesn't it? I don't know if it's a psychological thing or what. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter so much if you catch. I've never been to a place where just being there, people say, oh, I just like being there. But deep down, everyone wants to catch a fish. But honestly, the corrib, for me, I enjoy it so much. Just oh, I must there. try it sometime. Yeah. I must do. Because yeah. I, I need to get over to Ackle again. Because I left there and uh, I was really sort of sad that, that I was leaving, you know. And yeah. the people, you know, they they wanted me to come back. And, you know, I'm going to go back and say hi yeah. to some folk, you know. Yeah. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed our chat. I mean, you could probably chat for ages. But James, there's one more question yeah. I ask everyone uh -huh. at the end of the podcast. Uh -huh. Where would you want to be to make your last cast? I think maybe the River Fillin, up by Creelarich, because that's where I started to, to learn how to fly fish properly by trial and error. And it was a lovely wee river. And you'd never see anyone all day. And it was beautiful and it was clean. And it was just delightful. Happy days, yeah. Many thanks, James. My pleasure, Kerry. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to listen to more, please consider becoming a Patreon. We will get weekly podcasts and access to over 140 episodes, behind-the-scenes photography to go with each episode, plus other exclusive content and prizes. To become a Patreon, visit patreon.com forward slash casting with Kerry Jones. Or you can find the link on my website, castingwithkerryjones.com. That's all for now. And tight lines, and may they always be up in the wave. <laughs>